I'm Amelia. And I'm Rachel. Do you like the macabre mysteries, mortality, more M words? Well, you'll like murder, murder and medicine. medicine. The true crime podcast that brings fascinating forensics, cryptic cold cases, psychedelic psychology, medical maladies, and other alluring alliterations. Join us. Today, Amelia, yes. would you like to hear about a fascinating case of how police identified the skeletal remains of a missing person by using tattoos found on his mummified skin? Boy, do I ever. Okay, then. Here we go. Now, just before, um, just before we begin, I have changed the names of the people involved in this case to ensure that their privacy is respected, which also means that we won't be putting any photos particularly of this case on the Instagram (laughs) (laughs) on Instagram yeah but we do have really cool photos that Amelia has found that will be allowed to go up on Instagrams Instagrams (laughs) and they're really really cool so check those out later later once you've listened to this yeah, if you want to, to. Or do it at the same time. Oh, some people do have skills. Multi-skills tasking. <laughs> uh, obviously, I don't have the words and the brain multitasking. But multitasking. Yeah, that too. Okay. So this all goes down in Queensland, Australia, in a place called Womaran. I looked that up. Well I'm done. sorry, Womaran people. Uh, I didn't know how to say it. I thought it was... Anyway, Wamuran. 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 But it's uh, apparently it's Wamuran. I like it. All right. So Wamuran is near the Moreton Bay region. It's about an hour's drive north of Brisbane, which is the capital of Queensland in Australia. A cattle farmer who we'll call Harvey called up the police to report something alarming he had found on his property. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. So this area of Queensland is very mountainous, with Womaran surrounding a sort of basin that contains many large hilly properties, surrounded by, surrounded by very dense bushland. Harvey's property was made up of many hilly paddocks, and it was one of the furthest or farthest. It was one of the farthest paddocks on the top of a hill lined by bushland that he made the grim discovery. Harvey didn't go into his paddock very often. His cows used it for grazing occasionally, so periodically he needed to ensure that his fence around this paddock was still intact. On this particular day, he was checking the barbed wire fence along the back part of the paddock, where it was lined by dense bushland. While doing so, he stumbled across human leg bones and a spine sticking out from a pair of blue shorts. Creepy. He immediately went to notify the police and the Criminal Investigation Branch, or CIB, and they were called out to the scene. The area was cordoned off and Harvey's cattle were moved to another paddock. During the preliminary investigation, it was discovered that most of the remains were skeletal and had been scattered around the area. The skull, minus the mandible, was found to have rolled down the hill a few metres away. 
I'm assuming everybody knows what a mandible is. That's the jaw bone. Yeah. So the, the it, it it sounds really cool if you if you could disconnect your jaw and just chuck it, that'd be cool. Yes. So imagine disconnecting your jaw from around about where your ear is and the lower part of your jaw and chin and teeth being elsewhere. That's the mandible, and the top part of your skull with the top part of your teeth is called the cranium. And they are separated. Yes, they are actually. They're articulated, which means that they obviously move when you talk and when you yawn. Yeah, but on the dude. But the... Or dudette. Yeah. On on the... This thing. This individual. Yes. Good words. Individual. The cranium part of the skull had rolled down the hill and the mandible wasn't anywhere to be seen. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. It was late in the day, so two officers guarded the area overnight. Senior Constable David North from the scientific section was called out to the scene and he arrived the next morning. The SES were also called out to help with the search and recovery of any human remains that had been scattered around. Now, Senior Constable North noticed a clear demarcation between the shorter grass and the grass that was longer, thicker and greener clearly showing that the position where the body originally lay. Mm. So, yeah, because when When decomposition fluids seep into the soil, it provides nutrients for anything growing in that soil. That's right, yeah. So where the body originally lay and decomposed, it nourished the grass and it grew longer. So I'm going to give you a quote from Senior Constable North who said, This comment is made with utmost respect of the deceased. Human and animal tissues are made of trillions of cells that possess an abundance of elements, minerals and nutrients. When these tissues decompose and combine with water, from rain in this case, they act as outstanding fertiliser for plants in the immediate area. Gardeners and farmers regularly... Gardeners and... Gardeners? Gardeners and farmers regularly use blood and bone fertilisers with good reason. The difference in this case was that the nutrients provided to the grass were from a human source, unlike commercial fertiliser. End quote. So investigators could see this difference in the areas between the majority of the paddock to the area where these remains lay. This helped in the search and retrieval of the scattered remains. A few metres from the femur... A few metres from the femurs and spine inside the King G shorts, which I'll explain in a minute. Investigators found the right arm amazingly with the skin and connective tissue still attached. Another large section of skin and the patella, which is the kneecap, were also found. Okay, so for anybody not living in Australia, I will explain about King G shorts in a minute. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure that they're only Australian. Um, I don't even know what you're talking about. Really? So you're Australian and you don't know what King G shorts are. You'll know well, once I talk about it, though. Aren't they just shorts, man? Oh, is it the blue? Yeah. The King G blue. The King G blue. Is it? Is it it's it's a like a, a work kind of company where you get your... This was before high-vis. This was when you just got cool denim stuff that yeah. was strong. Very strong and durable, I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll discuss it in a minute. Sure, I guess we will. <laughs> I so, might learn something too. Many other parts of the remains, including the mandible with many teeth missing, were found up to 15 metres away from the main parts of the remains and were, quote, 
randomly spread over the grass in the paddock, end quote. Now, do you have any thought as to how the remains were scattered so much, Amelia? Yes. Clearly it was bears or bisons or any other large animal that starts with the letter B. We don't have bison or bears in Australia. Yet. Yet. We have drop bears. Um, no, but it would probably be animals because yummy food. Yeah. And they don't really care about where they put their bones, unless they need them for something. But clearly these ones didn't need yeah. the bones You're right. for something. Yeah. Thanks. And, the, and they, don't, um, <laughs> they don't care where their food source comes from, I guess, either, because they well, don't... Meat is meat. Meat is meat. Yeah. yeah. And if you're hungry... You're going to eat it. Yeah. And there's a whole group of animals that are called scavengers for a reason. That's right. They scavenge. Yeah. That's why they're called scavengers. That's right. (laughs) And there was indication of gnawing. 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 Gnawing Gnawing on the zibens. Yeah, on the scattered bones, yeah. Which is, I don't know how I feel about that. I ate chicken last night and I gnawed on bones, so I don't feel that big a deal about it. Mm. But I'm a little bit dead inside, so that, that could be uh, just a reason. <laughs> <sighs> so anyway. investigators believe animals such as Harvey's cattle, marsupials native to the area, rodents, and possibly feral animals. Now you mentioned drop mm. bears before. They're drop not bears, feral animals. They're no, not. they're yeah. native to Australia, but they're, they're not, not bears. They're not drop either. No, they're not drop either. They they're, like to cling. They're just koalas and they don't eat um, body parts because they are vegetarians. They do. They only eat eucalyptus leaves and they are marsupials. So if you don't know what a marsupial is, Google it. Yeah, Google it. They have pouches. So just imagine kangaroos. A cute little kangaroo. But kangaroos probably would check out some bones because I'm pretty soon they're not vegetarians. I don't know. I don't know. I should look it up. We should. It's our national <laughs> It's one animal. of our animals. And hey, we've got so know. many. Yeah. Who cares? I think we're about the, one of the only countries that... Don't care about their animals? Yeah. Well, we actually cull our national animal. <laughs> well, because they, uh, there's quite a few of them. They're, they are very plentiful. And they like it here, so they it's easy for them to live here because they were born... Yeah. Well, they evolved here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. They were evolved to be in this environment. Yes, but we, most of the animals that would probably be annoying to a body would probably have been brought over because of mm. all the crazy animals that people have brought and just yeah. left. Like, I'm thinking of an animal, but I can't remember it, but it's like there's this big rumour about... Somebody brought this animal over as a pet and then just let it loose. Cats? And it's like a it's like a big cat or something, like yeah. a, a tiger not a tiger, but something is out there like eating those, stuff. Those big cats. The big like, like a the jaguar lynx. type. A lynx or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I'd have to look yeah. into that. But there's I mean, we've got we've got rogue goats. They're we fun. do. We have we've got camels. Camels. We actually have a lot of camels. But that was because we needed them. And also... We the... actually bred them and sent them to the place where the camels are. The cool place. Yeah, and you can cool milk camels. them. Yeah, really? But also, camels, <laughs> um, even the feral camels, they are so... The reason why they became so feral is because they also are quite adapted to a very similar environment. Mm. So they 
talk to a fish like water and talk to a fish like water. Talk to a water like talk to a fish like water. Everyone, did they talk to a fish like water? Shut up. Talk to a water like fish, so to speak. <laughs> shut up. Okay. I hate it when I like sound really. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> pressing a point here, and I sound so serious, but I stuff it up. It just sounds That's actually so... a condition. Is it? I don't ask me what the name. Somebody else knows the name of the condition, but it's a condition. It's like a spoonerisms where you mm. you make up make up your words. Make up your words. Uh, do you have where, that? I don't normally have it, but it might be contagious. I, I think I told my kids last night to put their pajamas in the bathroom when I meant. Get dressed up. <laughs> and we it's like, put your pajamas in the bathroom, damn it! Yeah, pretty much. And it usually happens when I'm really tired. Yeah, so. because that's when all the spoonerisms come out, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Serious time. Serious. So, getting back to the animals that scattered the bones, obviously, Harvey's cattle grazed in that area. They are thought to have probably knocked the body around a bit. We have many animals that would probably want to gnaw and eat stuff. Maybe crows might have done so. Yeah, or ravens even. Same thing. Is They're not the same. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. They are not okay. the same. Crows or ravens. Yes, thank you. Continue. Uh, we Side note, but we actually do get crows here that drop bits of meat into our bird bath that we have outside, gross. and it is disgusting. Also, they're not crows. Sorry, pedantic. Uh, okay, the black <laughs> no. shiny birds. Western Australia does not have crows. They are ravens. Okay, the Western... Crows Aust- are in the eastern states because, you know, pe 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 eastern states. Pe, pe. They have crows, but we don't. Yeah. So what are the things that go... Ravens. Really? They're yeah. ravens? yeah. Okay, so Western Australian ravens. Nice. <laughs> but we're not talking about Western Australia, we're talking about Queensland. So they probably had crows. So possibly a crow. Yeah. Probably not a, a raven. Because some of the bones were never found. <gasps> mm. dun, dun, dun. Some, some of the smaller bones, like hand bones and feet bones, they were never mm. found. And I can attest to the fact that Western Australian ravens <laughs> yeah. will drop meat and bones and stuff all over our backyard so i'm like what kind of animal did this come from my 12 year old gets really excited oh my god look it's a bone i'm like don't touch it gross but yeah i have a really strange 12 year old who loves all things i say go girl morbid woo yeah she's very morbid she's she's gonna join us one day morbid little chicken she will join us she will join us we do need to get her onto our, our art system we do. Actually, she's already made some art for us. Sweet. But for now, serious time. Yes, back to work. So, yes, it was believed that small animals, or just animals in general, had scattered the bones. So they put cones, they laid cones at each site of a found bone, and the forensic crash unit, which is pretty cool, mapped the area to show where each of the remains were situated. Then Senior Constable North laid all of the found bones out on a spread of evidence bags. So we got all all these brown evidence bags, put them all out on the ground and uh, assembled the bits of the skeletal remains in the anatomical position to assess what they'd found, photograph everything, document everything, 
and that kind of thing. Cool. Cool. They ended up finding the teeth missing from the mandible, all little bits of teeth, so scattered teeth everywhere. That would have been hard work. Mm. So, but pretty cool that they did that, that they managed to find all the teeth, considering how small teeth are. Um, I have a... Can I digress? <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> when I was um, volunteering with the SES, we mm. had to do searches, and we had to do forensic searches, mm. and we had to um, search on the ground, on our hands and knees, mm-hmm. for pills. Right. And they are about... They're smaller than teeth sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the SES kids that were yep. collecting those teeth for fun. Yay! Not and fun. Not fun. Not fun. And actually, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that you mention that because Senior Constable North, who was telling this story, he actually did say, well done to the SES, yes. because they were on their hands and knees, mm-hmm. in the scrub, mm-hmm. in the long grass, in everything, just on their... Yeah, finding little tiny bits. So he actually did yeah. do a shout-out. Thank you. And I... Struck it from the record. Oh, and sorry. then I have brought it back. You brought it back because Be- it's important to it recognise the SES. In Damn this, straight. In we we work hard. Well, I, I worked hard when I was with them. Now yeah. I don't work hard because I'm not with them. But if I join them again, I'll work hard again. So yeah. I'm just taking a break because, you know, it's hard work. Yeah. I can but imagine yeah. I would not be able to survive. I like searching for the pills because they weren't real pills. Do you know that my unit actually had to search for a blown-up person once. Oh, yeah, like a bloated corpse? No, blown up, as in they oh. were exploded, and they had to search for yes, bits of person. Bits. We digress. So, um, yeah, so all of the bones that were found, thank you, SES. Yes. And police. Yes, also, yes. Well so, done. in Australia, a discovery like this needs to be put forward to the coroner because they did not know who this person was, they did not know whether it was suspicious or not. There was a bit of uncertainty around this discovery. So this means that any evidence that can be put forward to assist in the cause of death or the manner of death or any suspicious circumstances, etc., would need to be subject to an autopsy and a coronial report. So the skin was what intrigued Senior Constable North about this case. He knew dental records would likely identify this person, but he noticed something very unusual about the skin that could also assist in this process. He described the skin as, quote, desiccated, very leathery in appearance, and what appeared to be brown mould or fungus covering the surface. Despite the brown appearance, the skin also had different colours, including green, black, and red that could be seen through the brown. These colours appeared to be from tattoos. End quote. So, yeah, so he, the skin was, it looked as though maybe tattoos were on this desiccated or mummified skin. So it, this is a very unusual find for this to be discovered with skeletal remains. Now, I was intrigued myself as to how this might happen in Queensland because where non-Queenslanders like myself, I view it as like a rainforest, tropical, really hot and humid, wet state tropical north and in saying north we're at the bottom remember we're at the bottom of the world so our north is closer to the equator northern hemisphere international people it's like your south 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 is quoted closer (laughs) to the equator 
for us and any other Australian listeners out there, our north is closer to the equator because we're down under. <laughs> so nice. Your north is not cold. No, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> our north is not cold like your north. Our north is hot and our south Stinky is cold. and hot and humid and... Because at the bottom of Australia, we're close to Antarctica. Yeah. And at the top of Australia, we're close to all the pretty islands that have all the summery and things. And the equator and stuff. Hey, not everybody knows about equator stuff. Okay, the Go equator with is islands. the hot <laughs> The equator is the hot line that goes around the, around the, the globe. The hot line that goes around the globe. Um, so that is why when we talk about things, everything's opposite. We're down under, opposite land. So my fellow Aussies, you know what we're talking about. Queensland is tropical, usually. Usually, Mainly. The, the far north Queensland Most is... Most of it. When you say far north Queensland, it's, you know, humid and sweaty. And rainy. <laughs> and rainy. Yeah. So um, I presumed, well, wouldn't a, a, a body decompose pretty quickly because of the conditions? I would have thought that it would just be like, decompose. Nice. Mm. But usually when you find mummified things... It's more of a drier area. Like Egypt. Yeah, mm. like Egypt or like, well, I guess Egyptians with their mum- with their mummified remains, they deliberately embalmed them. But they had a good area for it. They had a good well. area for it. And more humid, hot areas decompose a lot more rapidly. Yeah. So anyway, so I was a bit confused. Because usually, yeah, I wrote down, usually in such a climate, decom- decomposition would be quite fast, skeletonizing in only a matter of several weeks. Mm. Um, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. Cool. So stay tuned. I have to. Okay, you have to. <laughs> so Senior Constable North spoke to other opposite, officers, officers, <laughs> officers at the scene who mentioned that a 34-year-old male person who we will call Matthew Daniel Crawford who's na- real name that's not his real name privacy why did you come up with that name i don't know it just came to me <laughs> okay because when i was reading this police article he had three names so i gave him three names <laughs> <laughs> um so he had been reported missing four months prior to the discovery of these remains he had left an address in Womerun one night barefoot wearing blue king g shorts I've heard that word before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> King G is pretty old. Are you saying young people don't work anymore so they don't know what King G is? No, I think because young people are hip to the high vis and King G is not really high vis. Well, so they probably King don't G does do high vis now. <gasps> hey, go King they G. They go with the times. They brought themselves up. They even have brown now. What? Yeah, like Steve Irwin brown. Uh, khaki. Khaki, no, it's green. Khaki. khaki is green. Okay, well, brownie green. I think that's smart of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, King G, they are a brand of Australian work uniform, tradesman work uniform, or tradesperson, I should say, work uniform. And they're pretty iconic for Australia as a working class uniform. But for some reason, many men, or women maybe, just wear these uniforms as casual wear. I don't know, man. Well, because it's built to last. Yeah. So 
the clothes from that place, King G, would be stronger and last longer. Yeah, they're pretty durable. And so that's why they probably just keep wearing them. And Aussies are just weird. Um, so that was the King G yeah. discussion. So, yeah, King G are made of a thick, durable and dark blue material, sort of like denim, but thicker and more durable and more bluer. Bluer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, nice. you, like I said, you can get different colours now. Um, so, and high vis, if you didn't know what we're talking about with high vis, that means high uh, visibility. Really? They don't know high vis? I don't know, because that might be like an Australian, because we shorten everything. You're learning the, the language. The language you're gonna be You're going to be bilingual soon. Yeah. You can speak Australian. Bye. Good eye. So, yeah, Aye. lots of Aussie blokes, blokes, nice. which means Aussie men, can be seen wearing them even on weekends, out and about, shops, bars. Actually, my husband wears them all the time. We should have got an interview. Always. It's like, no. I love King G. <laughs> I, don't know I wear it all G. the time. <gasps> you are. don't know? They're not, they are. Oh, my, she's going to check. Oh, what did you find out? Bisley Workwear. I've never heard of that. What are these shirts? Oh, yeah, Bisley. Good on you, Bisley. Bisley's taken over from King G, clearly. Actually, funny thing, because before we were married, he would always joke that he wouldn't need a tux. He would just wear his work uniform. He did wear a tux. Dude. It's not a nice joke, really. Why? Unless it was funny. But it's it's a high-vis work uniform. It's not like a cool work uniform. No, just the pants. (laughs) <laughs> He's just going to wear pants <laughs> I'm just going to wear pants to my wedding Yeah Creepy Why not <laughs> I mean like the pants are pretty handy They have all sorts of like pockets for tools and stuff Yeah And tradesman tools and. I, I would prefer that because being in the SES I had um, bright orange mm. And I would wear those clothes anywhere if they weren't bright orange Really? Because it looked like you was just escaped from prison. Because they do, they look like prison suits. It, it's pretty bad. Orange is the new black. But that's only in, in America. I don't think we have orange here. No, I think. Well, we actually, have... you might know. Why? Because Why would I might know? <laughs> your dad's my, a my, police officer. Yeah, but he's not a prison guard. He doesn't. He well, only deals with the people before they go into prison. Anyway. All I'm saying is I would have worn my SES clothes more often if they weren't bright orange. If they were nice blue, I would have. So I can understand why your husband wants to wear those cool mm. dark blue pants. I think I understand why they want to make you orange, though, because they need to see you from... Stand out. Yeah. It's a safety thing. Safety. Where were we? Anyway. So, back to it. Yeah. So this Yo. guy, Matthew Crawford... He had an argument with his girlfriend, or his missus, as we say here. When he was reported missing, the people who he was staying with at the time told police that he was in a poor mental state. He was living in a tent on a friend's property and was described as having a transient lifestyle and that he may have been under the influence of illegal substances at the time of the argument and leaving this address. Now, if these were Matthew's remains then it may not have been just his mental health and illicit substance abuse that endangered him, as an empty bottle of scotch whiskey was also found with the remains, as well as a knife. Um. So three days after he was reported missing, Mm -hmm. police and SES conducted a search of the area, but because of the dense vegetation, it was difficult to undertake the search, and they didn't find anything. Matthew had not been seen or heard from since. Then these remains were found four months later. And they could be his. They could be his. 
So the remains that were found four months later were transported to the mortuary where pathologists at Queens, Queensland Health Forensic and Scientific Services conduct the autopsy. As I mentioned before, this case was subject to the Coroner's Act 2003. In these types of cases where you have skeletal remains, forensic anthropologists assist in the autopsy with the pathologists. Cool. The cranium and mandible, which we discussed before had the appearance of an adult male between 20 and 40 years. There were fillings in the molar teeth of the mandible and one of the teeth had severe tooth decay. The wisdom teeth were very impacted. I can't put a picture on Instagram. Of but impacted teeth. The tooth that was very decayed, it was like half a tooth. It was so, so decayed that I was just amazed at how he did not... That's probably why he had to self-medicate with alcohol and drugs Possibly, and stuff. Possibly, yeah. Or it could have been um, because of... There are some illicit substances that cause your teeth to decay as well. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. There was a metal plate and four screws on the right-hand side of the mandible and a wire on the left. So that was consistent with having had a broken jaw in the past. So more pain. Ouch. There were no signs of perimortem trauma. So perimortem means around the time of death. So there was nothing to indicate that this person had suffered head trauma around the time of death. The hyoid bone was intact. um, And hyoid bone fractures, as you probably know, are very rare and usually indicate a strangulation. The dental conditions meant that a match from dental records were likely... DNA was also extracted from one of the molars and sent for analysis. While this was being done, Senior Constable North thought more about the skin tattoos and it reminded him of an article that he had read in a forensic textbook. So he sought the help from Sergeant Ken Lech, who was in the forensic photography section. Sergeant Lech suggested they use what is called alternative light source photography to view the tattoos more clearly. Now, obviously, we won't be posting any of these uh, these tattoos on social media due to privacy reasons. But, Amelia, you found some interesting articles for me about alternative light source photography with some interesting facts. <laughs> Didn't you? <laughs> so, take it away. Hello. All right. So, alternative light source photography, otherwise known as ALS. Um, I got very excited and found too much information, so I'll probably do an episode entirely about um, alternative light source and alternative light source photography. Awesome, that sounds awesome. That's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, because everybody's going to want to know about, you know, luminol and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And everybody I knows what know luminol is. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested, um, hit us up and say, yes, please do that episode because I do require, um, people to tell me to do things. Otherwise I won't do anything. Um, but anyway, I'm sure people have seen a TV show or a movie where there's a CSI scene and they go, oh, I wonder what happened here. And they do the, the blue light and they see gross stuff all over the walls and the floors and on the bed (laughs) and they go, Oh, something happened here. That is an alternative light source. And if you took a photo of it, it would be an alternative light source photograph. Um, So I'll just do a little quote 
from. I didn't write down where the quote's from. Uh-oh. That's cool. I'll find out where the quote's from at some stage. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we will. Utilising ultraviolet light, investigators can identify physiological fluids like semen, urine and saliva through the fluid's natural fluorescent properties. And alternative light photography mainly uses ultraviolet, infrared and x-ray to see what the natural light cannot see. Mm. Um, what was I about to say? Oh, it started being used in forensics in the 1990s and we're at what year are we at now for our case? 2009. We've been using this stuff for a while. Go us. Uh, I have a quote which actually says where it's from. Yay me. ATA Scientific Instruments where you can get all your scientific instruments if you so choose. Or maybe not all of them. I don't know. I didn't really look too far into the website. (laughs) But I liked their quote. The camera uses blue light and orange filters to see where the bruising has occurred below the skin surface and ultraviolet light to enhance bruises, bite marks and search for trace evidence. Infrared photography is used to enhance blood that's difficult to see on dark and patterned clothing and tattoos due to decomposition, lividity and burning. Ooh, so not just looking at blood splattered on a wall or semen on a bed or something... Yeah. Or on clothing. Well, that's like at the crime scene yep. uses. And there's also many uses for autopsy, the autopsy. Yep. Like medical examiners use this for stuff. Mm. And also forensic nurses. Which oh, really? Is cool. So if like a kid comes and they've got like ah. some suspicious stuff going on, you can take some photos and go, oh, there's been some damage going on that's been hidden by the evil parents. So you mean like bite marks or bruises that you Have, can't normally see, yeah. but you sus- suspect abuse. Exa- mm-hmm. Okay. So awesome forensic nurses. I didn't even know we had forensic nurses, but we do now. Yeah. Saving lives, hopefully. So how can a photograph show a tattoo that has been removed or covered up, you say? I do say. <laughs> Well, let's find out. Tattoos are used for identification by police and pathologists. If a tattoo is removed by laser surgery, it cannot be seen by the naked eye, but remnants of pigment persist within the dermis, which is the middle layer of skin. Uh, Infrared photography can demonstrate the presence of tattoos with enough detail that it can be used for forensic identification. Infrared can also be used to distinguish an original tattoo through a secondary cover-up tattoo. Also, some older inks have a high enough metallic content that they can be viewed on a radiograph, which is an x-ray. So, alternative light photography is cool. It is pretty cool. And you mentioned cover-up tattoos. Mm-hmm. I, I have read somewhere, I can't remember where I read it, but I have read where they can possibly use it for not just identifying victims, but by identifying a suspect or an offender that has tried to change their identity or hide their identity by covering up a tattoo. Just like Face Off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so um, that's Alternative Light Sources and Alternative Light Photography. And that's exactly why I wanted to do this case because it's cool. It is something that I kind of knew about the blue lights and the ultraviolet lights and stuff from my dad and TV shows and stuff, but I thought this was a really 
interesting utilization of this technology. I think it, it sounds very cool. Hmm. So Sergeant Letch used infrared photography to enhance the tattoos on the skin. So infrared is the opposite spectrum from ultraviolet. So ultraviolet is one side of the visible light spectrum. The blue and, side. Yeah. And infrared is and the infrared red side. is the other end of the visible light spectrum. So anything outside of infrared and ultraviolet you can't naturally see. Sure. Mm. I'll agree with that. Yeah, and the visible light spectrum is the rainbow part. Yeah, and mm. we don't have many light abilities, our eyeballs. Yeah. Birds see many. Birds see many. And a pa- uh, going back to ravens, you know how <laughs> sometimes... Crows. Yeah. You know how sometimes they look shimmery in the light? Yeah. They look like, like they're kind of like an oil spill? Yeah. <laughs> they, apparently birds' eyes, when they look at ravens or crows, they actually see them in colour, not black. What? I don't know if that's true or not. That I, sounds so my, cool. One of my children said they learnt that off YouTube. <laughs> so YouTube's never wrong. Maybe fact check that. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool if it's true. Oh, I, I can, I can see, see that, that yeah. happening. Because like with oil spills and you see like the shimmery kind of colours but you can't really it's mainly like black, mm. but you can see like something there. Mm. I bet animals were like, Oh yeah, all those colours, man. Mm. So all those birds, those water birds that get stuck in an oil spill. <sighs> the poor things. It t- to us, it looks like crude oil blackness everywhere, but to them, they're like, I'm stuck in a rainbow, <laughs> get me out! Help me, the rainbow is attacking my eyeballs! I thought it was prettier when it was in the sky. <laughs> Alright, serious time. Sergeant Letch used the infrared, so all other end of the spectrum to ultraviolet. So he used that to enhance the tattoos on the skin. He said, quote... The infrared wavelengths generally penetrate to a deeper level in skin than shorter wavelengths of the visible spectrum. Simply put, the inks of the tattoo absorb infrared at a differing rate than surrounding skin not affected by tattoo ink, therefore creating a greater or enhanced contrast between the inked and non-inked areas. Medical images have isolated infrared light sources to photographically record blood vessels and vein patterns in underlying skin, which is helpful in matters like deep vein thrombosis. Art historians have used a similar technique to non-destructively expose what underlies a painted surface. It has also been used by archaeologists and historians to identify body decorations on mummified skin, but not, as far as I was aware and what I was interested in, to help identify a person reporting as missing to the Queensland Police Service, end quote. So they, even though alternative light source stuff had been around for a lot longer, they pioneered this in the Queensland Police Service. Awesome. There's been other cases, but not very many. I think the fact that there's probably not many cases where a victim would have heavily tattooed skin that was mummified is mm. a factor here. But also, 2009, so what did you say it, the photography started about 1990? 1990s was when they, they started, started using started ALS. Using, so In forensics. In, yeah, it was around forensics. before then. It was around before then for like um, other things. Other things like art. and Probably, yeah. Um, so 
something that's not done often, but something that needs to be aware of. But um, don't tell that... the bad guys. Don't tell the bad guys. What will they cut all the skin off when they kill people? <laughs> now they have to not only chop off the fingers and take out the teeth, they're going to have to scrape off like layers of skin if somebody has a tattoo because we'll find them. What if they've got tattoos on their torso or their back? Why can't they scrape that off too? Well, scraping would be hard. Look, if you're going to kill somebody, you have to put in the work. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. True. I'm trying to teach people how to get away with murder here. No, we're not going to do that. This is not what the podcast is about. Oh. Okay. So... These are the steps that Sergeant Letch took to get the photos. Number one. Firstly, photographs were taken on a standard camera as they were, which you cannot really see anything. The, you pretty much saw what Senior Constable North described, which was a desiccated, shriveled bit of brown, dark skin that had looked like it had a bit of colour inside it that might have been a tattoo. Um, but you couldn't really see what it was. We'll put up pictures that we are allowed to put up, yeah. which will explain this good. Yeah, we'll explain it gooder. <laughs> because visualising it will be a lot easier. Mm. Because you're kind of like showing me with your arm, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude. It's a shame that we can't share the photos on Instagram, but if you really are interested, there'll be a link in the show notes to a, a journal that you can pay or subscribe to that has the photos in them if you're interested. So I'll, I'll link all that in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. Um, so secondly, an infrared camera was used to take photos of the tattoos. They found they could see it a little bit better, but the skin was still a little bit dirty. But because the skin was too fragile, number three, instead of washing it with water, it was gently wiped down to remove some of the excess dirt. So they had to be very gentle so as not to break the skin apart. Number four... More photos were taken from a standard camera to show the difference before and after wiping. Number five, an infrared camera was used to take photos of the tattoos once again, and this time they could clearly see the pictures showing up. Now, they could see that one tattoo in particular was of a snake head with a ribbon around it and the name Matthew inside. That was the missing guy's name! Yes. Oh my gosh! They were also able to get a photo of some sort of pirate skull with like a pirate skull head with a bandana and red eyes. And um, this was the photo that Senior Constable North saw under the brown fungus that he saw, the green, the black and the red colours because the eyes were red and the, the bandana was green and everything like that. So now they could clearly see what it was. Investigators approached Matthew's family and asked whether they could find any photos of Matthew that showed his tattoos. They were able to find several photos of Matthew with his tattoos visible and match the infrared photos taken by Letch. All of this evidence was noted for the coroner report and along with the dental records that were able to be obtained matching the mandible found at Harvey's farm, it was confirmed that the remains found were of 34-year-old Matthew Crawford. The coroner found that his death was not suspicious. So this is what the coroner found. So it was ruled that he had left the property that he had been arguing with his partner and would have walked very likely under the influence of drugs and alcohol in a, in a poor mental state through dense bushland and forested areas. Um, so I had a look on Google Earth and worked out that he would have had to have walked a minimum of 2K or 2 kilometres, which is 
uh, 1.2 miles to where he was eventually found. And that's like as a straight line. So where the, the shortest distance from the road he was said to have left from and where he was found is two kilometres. So it was more than likely more than two kilometres or 1.2 miles. And remember, he's in a poor mental state, very likely used illicit drugs and very likely used alcohol. So a lot of the the road that he left from, he would have been walking downhill for most of that. And there is a way that I saw that he could have walked down the mountain on the side of the road and used another few roads to walk up the hill a ways before getting to Harvey's property and walking along the fence line in the top paddock where it meets the dense trees instead of actually walking through the dense forestation. Mm. So it could have been either or. He could have walked on the side of the roads or he could have you know, gotten lost in the bush and ended up just on the tree line of the property. Um, but I guess no one will really ever know what happened after he left that night. No one, they couldn't really find anything to say where he'd, which way he'd taken. Yeah. It's just sad. But at least I guess the family has closure because they found his body. Yeah, that's the important thing. Mm. Rest in peace. I'm just happy that he's been ID'd so that mm. his family and friends can not exactly move on, but they can put that part of like worry or wondering aside. Yeah. And hopefully he just, you know, fell asleep and didn't wake up. I hope that's the case. That sounds like the best case scenario, I guess. Um, yeah. So rest in peace, Matthew. And yeah. our thoughts go out to his family and friends. I want to give full credit to the Australian Police Journal and Senior Constable North and Sergeant Letch for the amazing way they used the opportunity to utilise this technology. Not just for the coroner and the family of Matthew, but for the training and education for further generations of police. And Sergeant, um, Sergeant Letch and Senior Constable North actually presented this case and how they conducted the infrared photography research in poster format at the Australia and New Zealand Forensic Scientists Forensic Sciences Society International Symposium in Sydney in the following year of 2010. So well done done to those guys. You did an amazing job and it's in their hopes that the knowledge they gained from Matthew's tragic death might assist other cases with similar circumstances in the future. So my other references, because there are a few other references are in the show notes but I wanted to make the main shout out to the Australian Police Journal and to Sergeant Letch and Senior Constable North because they did an amazing job they're cool dudes yeah very cool Um, my references will hopefully be in the show notes too coolies but I have I have other I have lots of references that will be in the ALS episode if we make it Hmm, not many references for this one because I saved it all for later yeah but you i think what you what i did was good yeah what you did for this episode was really good because it was just enough to explain what it was yeah anywho bye. bye if you like our podcast and want more find us on instagram and twitter at murder med pod that's at m-u-r-d-e-r-m-e-d-p-o-d 
You can also let us know about the content you want more of by emailing us at murderandmedicinepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get new episodes as soon as they are released, please subscribe to our podcast. It will make our podcast easier to find for new listeners and will support us so we can continue to create the content you like. And remember, don't be a douche. turn the car off they knew we'd finished (sighs) (laughs) now it's worse